Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show. Well, I have another fantastic show plotted out. I had this whole plan, but uh, plans usually go off the rails. <laughs> Screw the plan. <laughs> what is the, uh, the old saying? No plan survives first contact. That's right. Oh, there Plans are for losers. <laughs> Plan is out the window. Whatever. Now we're up to doing. Let's just, just make whatever we can. We're just whatever. You know what I'm gonna do? Let's what I'm just gonna do, do our best. I'm gonna do my best. <sighs> exactly. Um, and while you're doing your best, you can like the show, you can subscribe, and you can hit the notification bell, and then you can be part of this. Dude, day. you're on fire right now. I'm on fire today. I didn't it even get is, a lot. It's under sixty seconds, and you've pretty much got the bulk of the show out of the way. You I mean, guns? We, we don't like, do much beyond this point. <laughs> not really, no. <laughs> we just randomly pick some stuff to talk about. And, uh, oh, I actually have a really good topic for today, too. Uh, Gerard good. should be joining us shortly. Whenever oh, he nice. Uh, nice. deigns to accept the invite. Good word, by the way. You are on fire. Did you get extra protein in this morning? I have not yet, no. What is even going on with you? Extra electrolytes? Uh, nope. What is Nothing. it? I didn't get a lot sleep? of sleep last night, so maybe... <laughs> Maybe I'm just like hyper aware because I what haven't What is slept. it? Let's get to the bottom. What is it? Why is Chance Burrows on fire all of a sudden? I did spend an hour, probably an hour, watching um, videos on like, because like I, I scroll through Instagram quite a bit, right? Where I'm looking for people to. Okay, before you get into yet more minutia, what were you scrolling through? Uh, video like reels. Uh, not like motivational reels, but like okay. um, kind of like those of just, you know, stuff, uh, philosophy and stoic Insp quotes. Inspiration. And we'll inspirational stuff. Okay. All right. Uh, because I, I look for cool people to talk to. Oh, yeah. Nice. Right, right. So, you know, I'm scrolling through, I'm scrolling through. I saw this just one. Just hang on uh, a sec. Oh, there's nobody behind me. So, <laughs> so far you haven't talked to any cool people today. Not today. Not, okay. not today. Uh, I did reach out to um, a group that does like hunting trips uh, down in the States for disabled veterans and things like that, which I thought would be oh, that's really idea. cool to talk about. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, a couple veterans, especially that uh, are disabled or have lost limbs or things like that overseas. Again, cool to talk to as long as they're doing cool stuff. Cool stuff. Which is the key. Positive. Cool Positive stuff. cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I was doing for like an hour. So now I'm like, so up. you're all inspired? I'm, I'm all inspired. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I am thoroughly inspired. Thank so, you. So Instagram. you got you got a poor sleep. Yeah. You, you're not overhydrated. You're not overcaloried. You're not over anything other than your melon got the inspire. That is correct. Yeah. Mm, Which at the end of the day, psychologically interesting. That means that I chose to be motivated, mm -hmm. and I am motivated or another way of saying that is you entered into that research pattern not full well knowing what you were seeking other than the general theme of i want to figure out how other people are doing it better or what was it mm, i i went into the the thought process of like uh usually i just i go until it's something catches my eye Okay. It's do you not, not, like do you not categorize it as I'm going to look for cool people or I'm going to look for worker bees or I'm going to look for leaders or I'm going to, do you, do you not give it a general theme or do you just like four and a half days later, you put your phone down and realize what, what did I do for four and a half days? No, I, there is a general theme to it. And mostly okay. it is, um, leaders and I would say kind of inspirers, like the, the way you describe yourself. So people who are trying to influence those around them in an inspirational manner. Right. I dig it. That's great, so, man. That's, that's what I look for. Yeah. It's, and look, uh, at, look at the fallout. It's like a radioactive cloud hanging over you right now called inspired. <laughs> there, there was an internal night <clears throat> and it was like, you need to inspire yourself, you which is speaking inspired of yourself. Yes. <laughs> speaking of Gerard, how's it going, brother? Ah. Oh, we, I got no audio. Oh no. Oh yeah. And before I saw the, I read your lips there. There's no swearing on this show, so you got to be aware. Okay, and you're looks like you're muted. Be all right. Let's see if we can get them sorted out. You're uh, still can't hear anything. You might have to go into your settings and choose your your mic. Uh, play with that for a little bit while we chat. <laughs> yeah. 
play play around with the software. It'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no swearing. Yeah. Okay, but uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna pull your image right down for a second, and then we'll we'll bring you back in in a minute. Yeah. Cool. Um. So the wizard we, making the decisions. Oh man! Like like I said, I'm motivated and confidently now. I'm ready to go owning it stuff. Yeah, I should get less sleep more often. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe start your day off with early inspiration. Mm, inspirational motivation. Dude, it's a it's a not noticeable difference right now for you. Not for like every, 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 yeah, for you. Mm. Your whole demeanor. I'm trying to outdo you with good words. Demeanor um, is a good one. Yeah, your demeanor is different, and it, it's almost like a residual effect of being inspired or out there looking for inspires, and you've come on here like on a on a good frequency. Yeah, I'm ready not to roll. This Dude, is my yeah. uh, this is my ready to roll movement or mindset when I'm like you know I've said this before, uh, and I we had this whole story about it. Like when I know where I want to go, I can go pretty fast. So yeah. I, well, I, look at this. I mean, look at your stride. It's your so legs big. are like 10 feet long. <laughs> so big. <laughs> All right, Gerard, you ready to try this one more time? Give him one second. Just stepping over picket stepping fences. Over picket fences. Yeah, exactly. That is that is crazy. We're, we won't go into it, but uh, craziness. Don't. I don't want to visualize it. You know what? So I got, don't uh, even tell the story. I got a really great topic. Don't. From, tell, no, this don't. is completely different. Okay. Completely different. I don't, don't worry about I that. Want, I don't want it to get all weird, like okay. a cartoon. I'm going to I'm gonna try Gerard one more time. See, see. Right. How's your okay. audio? Can you oh, hear fantastic. me? Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. This is my... Good uh, to see you, buddy. Good to see everybody else. <laughs> yeah, man. Nice. Yeah. How are you doing? Thanks for I coming on. Day by day. I mean, mm -hmm. as best I can. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is the key. <laughs> Um, so we have uh, we have a very interesting topic today, and I think uh, I think you might enjoy this. And it goes along with my nickname, Big Bird. It is. Mm. You ready for this one? Sure. Letting go. Oh, look at you go! Aha! <laughs> yes, we've been down that road. A well done, well done, Chance yeah, Like all these segues and everything, I'm ready to hey, go. He's, um, he's, we're barely into it, and he's already dropped all kinds of inspirational metaphors and analogies. He's like. Chance Burles is on fire. You came at a good time. He's gonna like blow your mind today. He's blowing my mind. Will be brought in. Or the heat has been brought. <laughs> has been brought. <laughs> uh, so this topic, letting go. I had a, uh, a <clears throat> somebody reach out to us on the IG, and they said, "Hey, you know, it would be a really good topic for you guys just to discuss letting go." And so to really just lay a lay a foundation here <laughs> i believe in what he's talking about is in um emotionally letting go of either your past or even physically letting go of say a job or a relationship or whatever right but i think the the ideas are probably the same right if you need to let go of something you are holding on to something physically or mentally or emotionally i think the at least in my view, it would be the same techniques that I would use regardless. What do you think? Oh, mm, go ahead, buddy. You're the guest. It's all about you. Well, now. It's on you. I mean, <laughs> it, it came to me last year too, because mm. I mean, uh, going through separation and it was a long marriage too. And mm. I mean, you know, it's, it just came to my point in life where my happiness and my self prevent. <laughs> Somebody wants to call me always. Right as soon as you, yeah. Always when you, I almost dropped else. down and started cranking right? up herpes right then so, and there. So, I mean, for me, when I went to Campbell River and I started getting to meet you guys and turning around and creating that bonding level to turn around and get me back to some kind of foundation, right? So I can actually identify myself mm. because I was really kind of not in my own identity. And I remember specifically when uh, I went up for my first jump and one thing that really rang true in my mind and he turned around and it, he said it in such a neat way, but it, it struck so home for me because he turned around and said, when you go out on that wing, 
just take two seconds to yourself. Take that deep breath, look up, and just let go. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that feeling of just letting go, I mean, for me, was kind of a lot of an, a, a, like a, an epic, epic kind of hammer hit me in the, in the head, just mm. telling me it's like, yeah, it's good for you just to let go, right? Let go of all that weight and that pressures and that responsibilities and all those things that have been compiling on your life for such a period of time that, you know, it's always, it, you have to, you have to do it for yourself. You just have to let go, mm. you know, reevaluate, refoundation yourself and then turn around and proceed to carry on with your life. I mean, it, it helped me a lot. And that's yeah. what my kind of my mantra. I kind of go with you guys, man. I love watching you guys every oh, day. Sorry. And, you know, it, it just kind of reevaluates me, foundates me, and then I can start my day again. I like it. I like I got it. a question for you, buddy. So, <clears throat> you know, you, I don't know the full details and you don't have to get into any details oh, yeah, that you're right. not interested in, but you said uh, through a separation, et cetera. Now, is that your first marriage or? Yes. Okay. I've been married a long time. Okay. So I w I'm on my second marriage right now. I lost my first marriage to the teams or me being a jackass, uh, probably a good combination of both. Uh, but um, I understand I don't understand your difficulties, but I understand it can be difficult. And so the thing that was going through my head when you were talking is you'd said that the key word for me was it had been a long marriage or it had been a long time since you maybe had to let something go. So to the main thrust of my, uh, what I would like to present as a thought experiment is letting go gets easier the better you get at it. And so that first time is tough, man. And you've just kind of got to like, you've almost got to commit with faith that by letting go, things will improve. And then after that first, first faith action, then you can build off of that because it, you should be able to recognize that that let a little bit of weight off my shoulders. Okay. I want to build off of that. And every time you practice that letting go, it's like a skill. It's, it's like stripping and assembling an assault rifle. You've got to do it to get better at it until you can do it with your eyes closed. And I believe that that's the case with things like this as well. Letting go is a practiced piece. And I'm not just talking about physicality or emotionality or spirituality or any of that. I'm talking about all of it. Letting go on anything is almost a skill, I believe. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more with that. I was actually, as you guys were talking, I was thinking how uh, poignant it is that the, the way in which I got my nickname, right, was, and I mean, I've told the story before, but I just want to reiterate the uh, holding on to the skid at Pegasus Jump is a allegory for a lot of things, right? And how how deep you can sink your knuckles into a, uh, uh, into a, a, a prop on a, on a plane, but there is a point where you have to completely trust in nothing, <laughs> right? Like you, you have to literally let go of everything you could possibly imagine and just trust that it's going to work out. And it yeah. is a, it, like you said, it's a weight off the shoulders. It is, really but, great. and you know, by letting go in that moment off that plane, you, you phrased it as you're, you're, you're letting go and you're not really allowing or counting on anything. You're just letting go and letting it happen. Whereas I feel these kind of conversations where someone is maybe struggling a little bit or someone needs a different direction that they need to go or they're just looking for a different way to do things. I mean, we're the freaking parachute. Yep. And so, like you know, like, are, are my friends, they're my parachutes. And so if, if I'm letting go, they're going to open up for me. They're, they're going to, they're going to support me on the journey down to the ground safely because they've done it themselves. They've made the exits before me. I've made enough exits that I can now help guide someone safely to the ground. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a bit bumpy and bruisey. Guess what? Welcome to parachuting. But at the end of the day, every parachute that you do, you get better at letting go. 
And every day that you let go, you get better at being able to help someone else let go. That's an important aspect, I think. Yeah, I 100%. I was actually, uh, again, just as you were thinking, or as you were talking, I was imagining the fact that my first release off that uh, off that aircraft was challenging. It was very hard to let go. The second one was a little bit easier, right? And I imagine the 50th would have been... Yeah, but you were excited. I mean, I remember you coming off of that first one. You were excited. I was standing next to my buddy Dave, um, Dave C, Master Sniper. And uh, you came over and you're all giddy jazz hands and doing your thing, almost flapping your wings. A little bit. And uh, (laughs) I do remember that. Dave and I still chuckle about it. (laughs) And uh, so you're looking to go do your second jump. That was arranged and off you went. And... I mean, you were off to the races, but it was literally 24 hours prior that you, you know, you didn't want to pull your boots on kind of thing. I'm not saying that you didn't want to, but you didn't want to. And so, you know, that, that trepidation, that fear, that anticipation of all of the unknown, dude, it's going to happen anyway. You might as well get right with it. I mean, you've only got two choices at that point. You either get in the plane or you sit on the bench. And if you're going to get on the plane, do the deal, go out, land on the ground, take your bumps and bruises and get better for the next one. Yeah. You're on the ride already. You did bring up a good point. You did bring up a good point in reference to your battle buddies. I mean, um, we all have battle buddies out there and, and, and it's a bit of a struggle for them too, because they're still dealing with that disconnect. You know, that feeling of disconnect. And and usually when you link up with them, um, I remember this one guy about uh, about a week ago. Uh, he has n- had no contact with uh, military or buddies or anything like that. And most of them kind of passed away in, in their time. But it was the fact that them finding somebody to actually honestly talk to with the background and the understanding of where they're coming from. Um, I think it, it paid like major paths for this individual to turn around and go forward because he still feels like he's a part of something, right? Even though it's a very sporadic network of battle buddies all over the place, but the fact that they could turn around and take somebody and talk to him for about an hour made such a major difference in reference to him grounding himself again. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that, you know, you brought up a good point. Battle buddies are very important. And for us, I mean, when you do that parachute and letting go, it, it, it kind of gives you that feeling that, you know, you, you can give that assistance to another battle buddy. And, and like, like you said, Sean, bringing them down to the ground, not going to be easy. Uh, by any means, sometimes it could be very arduous, but I mean, the fact that you're there and listening, right? Not speaking, just listening pays major dividends for the other individual. I've noticed. It it, it is true. And and I so there there is another side to the coin. So I'm gonna say that ninety-eight point seven four percent of the time, if someone contacts me and, and we chat for an hour there's a really high probability or 90 near 98 percent chance that it's going to go swimmingly it's going to go really well it's going to be a positive thing to, for them it's going to be a positive thing for me we're both going to feel like we have accomplished something etc cetera, etc cetera. now there's that rare moment and it's been extremely rare for me but there has been one or two instances where someone has contacted me and I've spent better part of a year really trying my best to help them. And initially, it seems like they're letting go and they're under parachute and they're safely descending. And uh, they've done their first jump and they feel good about it. And then they get up second, third, then they get some confidence. Then they start getting weird. And so um, then all of a sudden they think they're a military free fall parachutist with two jumps. You know what I mean? And so um, I have had a, one or two instances where um, the battle buddy scenario, which I love the idea of, and I never want to ruin it for a- anyone who's trying to mentor or inspire or whatever. But the other side of the coin is out of all of the success stories, there'll always be that one in a hundred 
that you've oh, always yeah. got to keep your eye on as to you just got to be smart sometimes as well, you know? Well, you can only go as far as your qualification. Well, your internal knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's not qualification. I mean, we're not qualified to turn around and do head shrinking. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified um, to do anything. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not qualified to do anything. I'm jack of all trades, master of none. I'm, right? I'm not even qualified to do this. And yet here we are. Yet here we are, right? Uh, yes, I've had a few that, yeah, they decided to do that jump and release and let go, and it turned out to be complete malfunction, mm -hmm. right? And a Roman candles. And right. sometimes you just, you can't take on that type of aspect. I mean, you can only steer him towards some form of professional help. Right, you're precisely and, correct, and it's and it's up to him to turn around and take that step. Right, it's just the encouragement side of it may help, but sometimes, yeah, I've I've tried with some, and some it just didn't work. Right, right. It's it's, a... it's it's worth mentioning just to establish that it's not all rainbows and unicorns out no. there when you're trying to let go. <laughs> well, this this brings up a, an interesting side point to this too is that first off trying to help somebody doesn't always isn't always the way we think it's going to happen no. right and a lot of times when we try and help someone else uh well here's a question you guys are both jumpers if someone balks at the door what do you do and you're behind them uh that's that's for me that's never happened and what's the, so what's I, the drill? i sir, sir say again what's the drill I'm what not talking do? about oh. the drill. So oh, okay. let me establish. Sorry. For me, that's never happened. Mm -hmm. And I do understand that the drill can play out in a couple of different ways based on the circumstances. But here's here's the drill that I always established in my head. If someone kind of stagger steps and sort of pauses in the door, they're going out. Yeah. If they're in front of me, I'm going to help facilitate that. <laughs> Unless... They're doing a full brace, a full lockout. Then I'll pause for a second and consider why are they full bracing? Maybe there's a hang up. Maybe there's a whatever, something that right. I'm not aware of. Somebody so can have it. Maybe it's, you know, who knows? Maybe it's a UFO. But uh, if they're full locked out, I'm not going to force them out. But if there's a minor miscalculation, a pause, mm -hmm. they're going out. That's all there is to it. That, yeah, that was the. Uh... The thought that I had was the fact that if a lot of, sometimes I can't say a lot of times sometimes your help might be a kick in the ass, mm -hmm. yeah, right. And sometimes your help might be you know a hand up a ridge or whatever. There's just it's not always going to look like sunshine and rainbows and unicorns, right? Like it, it's, it's not all hey man, I'm here to help you. Anything I can do for you. Sometimes it's you know you're going to take a shot in the teeth and you're going to be like. Yeah, and I, I've said it before in uh, live chats, uh, and I've done this with people. People who listen to these live chats, they've did experienced it. it. Just did it to me a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah, to, to some degree, to some degree. But what I was going to say is this. Like, sometimes I'll hold someone, like, hard accountable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes yeah. I'll use, uh, use a, a medium accountability. And sometimes I won't do a freaking thing. And... When I don't do a freaking thing, it's because I don't need to do anything because I want them to squirm on the obvious bad that they've done. They know it. I know it. I don't need to say anything about it. They're waiting for me to say something about it, and I'm going to give the long pause until they come to me and say, let's talk about how I just did that wrong. <laughs> and so like, there's many ways to skin a cat. There's many ways to reinforce positive actions. There's many ways for people to understand their own misdirections. And so it's not always finger wagging. Sometimes silence is a good thing as well. I've made, oh not made, I've had people dangle in the wind for better part of a month or longer uh, just so that they have enough time to understand the wrongness of their actions. And if they never get back to me, which I can't say maybe has ever really happened, if they don't get back to me, okay, cool. But nine times out of 10, they're getting back to me and we're going to have that conversation. They've been doing a lot of thinking in that silence, that's for sure. Yes. I like that. That is that is the, uh, oh, that, this is where I was going to go with the, the point earlier, was the fact that that's the other side of letting go as well. 
that there's a lot of times where you need to not help someone to help them. It's and true. My, my problem may not be the same as everyone else's problem, or maybe it is. I don't know. But I'd just come out of 15 years of daily coaching, daily, sometimes multiple times a day on a single athlete. But every athlete that I coach around the world, I talk to them every single day and sometimes multiple times per day. So I was used to, or I'm, I'm still used to, active engagement with anyone that I'm involved with. If you're in my life, you're in my life for a reason. And if you're in my life, then I'm engaged in your life. And then it's for me to like dial it down rather than dial it up because I've always got it up too high. Everyone that I meet, my rotary dial is usually about four notches too high. So as a daily active coach, I mentally I have to dial it down a little bit. You know, there's a there's a saying when you're riding is that it's uh it's always better when you're you know breaking a horse or you're trying to teach it how to do things that it's always better to rein a horse in than it is to try and speed a horse up. It's true. It's way it's easier. True. So yeah. if you want a horse with more energy that you have to rein in a little bit than to have a horse with low energy and try to spur forward because you can only right. lash them so long. So that's that's uh, right. Now lashing, that's a good point, but the counterpoint to lashing is helping a horse understand how height can jump over a fence. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of my job. My job is not to discipline an athlete or discipline a person. That's their job. My job is to show them their potential. My job is to show them how high that fence can be. It, it ain't to show them the whip. Now, if I got to use a little bit of a whip to help them understand how high they can jump over the fence, Okay, maybe a little bit, but they're the whip, not me. They've got to want it, not me. I'll show them the way. They've got to want, it, want the way. Does that make sense? It, the funny thing is that you're actually describing how you teach horses to jump things. Yeah, <laughs> like, I suppose. It is literally how you do it. Um, you do have a whip, right? When, I, when I'm moving a horse, especially doing circles or trying to you know, move them or work them, um, you put things in front of them. And then they will either walk up to it or walk over it hmm. without any fear. And they'll just go and you'll be like, okay, cool. Or they'll bulk and you just bring the whip up a little bit. And they're, they're trained to recognize that that little bit of a whip hmm. is like, eh, I don't like that. Now right. it's not because we're smacking them all day, but they do know that when the whip they understand connects, consequences and they're like, yeah. oh, that's not good. So the whip comes up and they move. So you don't have to actually sit there and like, ah, ah, ah. You just show them like, hey, you know, there are consequences to what you're trying to do right now. And then once they're over that first layer of uh, of jumps or blocks or whatever it is that's in front of them, then you add more. <laughs> then you add more. And you just keep them moving. Then you add them, make them higher. And then they start jumping. And then you add them higher. And they start jumping over. And then like it's, it is a continual building cycle that you just described to a T. So I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Now here's the interesting part for you. Maybe, maybe is um, I've never owned a whip, and yet I've managed to get athletes around the world to stand on podiums. I would say your tongue is your whip. <laughs> yeah. So that was going to be my point, actually. <laughs> and, and, it's, it. and it's the, um, and it's not always, it's, it's not the incision or the incisive verbiage it's sometimes I want to leave a cut. Sometimes I want to leave a Band-Aid. It all depends. So I think over, over all of these years, having to work remotely with so many athletes and, and not get them to do what I want them to do, but help facilitate them to do what they need to do in order to get the outcome that they're seeking, that's, it's tricky, man. It's not easy to do it remotely. Uh, particularly when it's a extremely physical activity like 24 hour solo mountain bike racing or whatever world championship uh, road racing or stuff. Um, it's hard to do that with people that I've never even met, like never shaken their hand. I've had athletes that I've coached for over 10 years that I've never met in other countries. Oh. And so how to get them to be their most excellent. Well, it can be done just like this. Just, oh, yeah. just, just like this. In fact, I'll go one step further and say with my athletes, I never even did video conferencing. 
it was all written, all email. And so there's a way to craft carefully written emails every day in order to get people to be a world champion, starting off from can't tie their shoelaces. Mm-hmm. So there is a way for everyone, I feel, but it's it it's it takes practice, it takes thoughtful writing, it takes all kinds of little Jedi mind tricks, and it doesn't require a whip because I don't own one. So uh, we got some <clears throat> couple comments and a question here. Um, I we, I've been so involved in the conversation with my bright eyes and doing stuff that. Uh, I neglected. Hey, Mitch, how's it going? <laughs> See, hi, all rare new time off is getting the Gixer 750 service. So, nice. yeah, take a, take an afternoon. Good. Uh, Satch in motion. Good morning, everybody. Hey, Satch. See you, Satch. And then Tanya has a question here. How do you balance the threat slash sting of the whip and the difficulty of the obstacle? I found when punishment is inevitable yet survivable, uh, the task or plus the task is too highly difficult equals no progress. Oh, like you can, you can just, you can sit there and get whipped and be like, no, I'm still not making it over that. I see what you're saying. How do you, uh, what do you think, Sean? Any thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm curious as to what Gerard's uh, first thoughts yeah, Gerard, are. I've, I've got initial thoughts on it, but I'm curious to see what uh, Gerard has to think. Well, in reference to the obstacles, I mean, for me, when I was doing like junior leadership in Wainwright, I was doing it for about four years. Um, Sometimes the obstacle may have to be rethought or reevaluated because sometimes people's thought process may be a little bit different. Um, but when you come to like a generalized idea, um, I think it's it's a shared idea that I mean, yes, embrace the suck. I mean, uh, for the most part of us, I mean, most of our learning was all done through hardship, right? Mm -hmm. So it has to be the level of the obstacle that has to be attained, whether it is attainable or if it's not attainable. But it's you as a course facilitator that you have to turn around and make sure that all obstacles placed before them is in in a progressive level, right? Soon as you think that he's understand one part of the aspect and what he's supposed to do, you you turn around, you stab him with something else, right? And you keep building upon that. And I mean, you try to see his stress level. Most people deal within their stress level that I've noticed in reference to leadership in Wainwright. I mean, the more stress you put on the individual, it, it gives him more a well-rounded idea of being able to think out the box outside the box sometimes. And that's sometimes that's what's needed because we can't just say the wheel is square this year and next year it's going to be octagonal or the wheel after that. No, it's always been round. It's just that how big do you want to make the wheel? Right? (laughs) I like that. I like that. So, you know, it's a great point in the fact that you have to if the punishment is inevitable yet survivable, that means and you're not doing the task, that means that the punishment is not enough. Uh, there is another aspect to it is as there? well, though. Yeah. What do you think? After your sorry, I was chanting <laughs> for it. I think that. Uh, so let me paint a. It's going to be an artificial construct. It's not very realistic, but it'll help set the stage for what I'll build off of. So let's pretend that there is a recruit school um, called Wainwright. And uh, people go there and they learn things. Never go. Crazy. Um, it's nuts. So um, you you show up on day one and you're standing next to 29 other guys. And it's, it's, it's about to kick off. And uh, all of the senior NCOs show up in front of the course. And all the senior NCOs look around at each other and say, ah, oh, no one brought the whips today. What? Someone took the whips away. What are we going to do now? We we've got no whips. Well, at that point, let's say there's no overt threat or sting or punishment or adversity or whatever. Let's pretend this is a butter course where it's smooth as smooth can be. So how does that course see success on day one? Maybe not all of them will see success, but at least one 
maybe more will see success because at least one based on those odds out of 30 guys, that's a 3% chance that that one guy has shown up before day one started with prioritization, Mm -hmm. with conviction, with a outcome that he has already visualized in his mind that he will not be dissuaded from. It's a case of show up, prioritize, and execute. Now, how do you do that if it's day zero, if you've still got your long hair and you're still trying to figure out how to iron your socks in basic training? Well, I mean, like, you don't know. But at your at your core, maybe the day before you showed up to Wainwright, you sat down with a pen and a piece of paper and wrote down your why. And then right next to that why, you put a prioritization next to it of, I'll die before I quit. Or maybe you write next to that why, I'm going 12 out of 10 on this why. Because you require a why you're going to be there. And you require conviction to be there. So you can write all your whys down for the rest of your life. But until you assign a conviction against it, a prioritization against it, they're just freaking thoughts. Exactly. It's the 10-year thought project, not the 10-year action project. And so to Tanya's point specifically, the punishment can come and go whether it's survivable or not is immaterial. The task can be really hard or not, which is also kind of unimportant. The progress will always occur if you have the right prioritization. Mm, I like that a lot. I was thinking, um, surprise, surprise, from an engineering kind of point of view, um, is that this is something that we were told quite a bit was that all obstacles will be covered by effective uh, effective enemy fire. Yeah. All obstacles. And so you go into obstacle breaching in, with this mindset of, it's going to be hard. <laughs> like, it's already going to be hard. There, there's no doubt about it. And so if you're hitting, uh, like if I walk up to an obstacle or we roll up to an obstacle, and I know that that's going to have effective enemy fire covering that whole area. Well, do I really want to walk down the middle of it? No, sometimes I can go down the side. Sometimes I can be a straight up sapper and go underneath. <laughs> sometimes we can call you airborne guys and you guys can drop over top, right? There, there are ways around that don't involve smashing headfirst into an obstacle. And so but sometimes the, you need to smash headfirst. Sometimes you do. And that's and when we call the PPCLI. So, so who's we, who's we, you? We is me and all of the little people in my head. Right. So who, who would we be? That's, that's my point. Uh, so you wouldn't know what to do strategically on the battlefield. So it ain't Chance Burroughs that's making the call on dropping the entire Canadian Airborne Regiment into the minefield. It's someone else. <laughs> and so uh, whoever that we is, we can only hope that the we has enough... Uh, either skin in the game or experience or tactical strategic wherewithal to make good decisions. Mm, So the reason I bring all of that up is to make this point. If Tanya, as an example, and and I'm not suggesting she's struggling because this, this is just an academic question from her. If she's posing the question to say how to get more progress. Well, sometimes as the lone sapper bumbling around in the minefield, you're not making any progress. But if you're being led well, you will make progress. Maybe it's an infantry warrant officer standing off at the side, barking at the engineer, telling him to turn left instead of right. Now you're getting direction. And so the idea being, if Tanya, you can't figure out how to progress further in isolation Hopefully the battlefield commander who's got overwatch and can see what you're doing from a standoff distance can give you some pointers or tips or recalibrate or say, hey, that probably isn't going to work for you. Why don't you try it this direction? That that would have been nice when I was walking through a minefield. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that would have been really nice to have. Um but yeah, the the advice I got was don't stop don't step on anything that blows up. 
Well, that's that's good advice. But you know, <laughs> uh, other advice that a battlefield commander could give is, don't bother getting out of your truck today because we're just going to launch a little bit of artillery at that and clear up that minefield. There's lots of ways to do things. Oh yeah, lots of ways oh, yeah. to do things. And so the idea being that whatever the task is, if you can't figure out how to do it the best way, look around and look for the battlefield commander to give you some direction. 100%. I love that. <clears throat> uh, we got a couple of other comments here. Uh, Mitch says, been whipped plenty in the past. Didn't solve much. Today I just walk away, regroup, reboot, and start again from a different angle slash level. Too old, too jaded. And I th this is a right here, the today I just walk away, regroup, reboot, and start again. That is letting go. That's exactly what we're talking about, is it not? Yeah, it, yeah, it is. Like, until the last sentence. Yeah. Where as sentence far as I'm concerned, that's a... That's Never not a great old. sentence. No. Because what that it whip. So Mitch was killing it right up until he said in his last sentence, and I've got a closed mind. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Mm. Um so Tanya says, after there's a little uh comment war going on in the background here, it's awesome. Uh Tanya says, Mitch at Mitch agreed. I am learning that I need to both get upskilled and segment the obstacle rather than thinking my only recourse is to take the whipping. <laughs> Good leaders show ways to get you leveled up. Mm. Yes. What do you think, Gerard? Good mentorship. I mean, usually you have to look towards your senior NCOs and stuff like that, or your mentors to turn around and, and help you progress uh, in your own life. Uh, I mean, I even for me, when I retired as a warrant officer, I was never right all the time. <laughs> <laughs> What? We weren't? <laughs> I'm still not right all the time. <laughs> but, I mean, even when you're going through all your leadership throughout the military career or even through the civilian side, I mean, you have to focus on yourself to turn around and be able to become that good mentor to other people, to try and bolster them up, right? Um, I would, I would, a couple of things that I, I was always told by senior NCOs. One, they're not allowed to kill me. Technically and legally, they're not allowed to kill me. <laughs> kind of, that's kind of true. That's a kind, kind of a given, right? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Right? Some days you might wish they could, but. <laughs> uh, yes, definitely. Selection phase, definitely. Um, but, um, I mean, I also noticed that in, in other cases that it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a group effort because you just don't bring in junior leaders to turn around and, and try to get them thrown off a course, right? You're there to turn around and properly assess them to their abilities. And don't get me wrong, some of them don't always pass because they neglected certain portions in being a junior leadership, like whether it be something as a weakness like navigation, right? Uh, when you start getting tossed on a, on a, on a course like that, uh, we can't backtrack to teach you navigation. That's a skill that you should have brought to the table before you even showed up, mm. right? It, for me, I'm going to take your junior leadership and I'm going to turn around and twist your mind and I'm going to make you try to think outside the box and I want you to turn around and be yourself as a junior leader. What is your qualities, your character? What do you bring to the table to be a junior leader? And from there, we bolster it and then we nurture it and then we push it to an exercise phase towards the end of a course to turn around and say yes you know what you got a good thinking mind you know how to think on your feet you take care of your troops right you're not there to turn around and be an authoritarian because you know sometimes when they get to junior rank, master corporal rank and as soon as they hit back to the battalion they got it all figured out. They got it all figured out. I was that guy. I, I was uh, I was an idiot, but yeah, I was definitely that guy. Right. You, you said something that I found fascinating. I've never heard it uh, said quite that way. Um, and so I'll just paraphrase it here: taking on a JLC or a junior leader course uh, individual, and then twisting their mind. And and so this is what I heard was twisting their mind, and then I filled in the rest of the blank, which was to expose them to themselves. 
Yes. And so you were applying adversity to expose them to themselves so that they could properly evaluate their own response as their authentic self in the moment, showing their true characteristics or traits or flaws or what have you, so that then you can build off that. And, and I've never really heard anyone say it quite that way in the sense of as a as someone teaching leadership courses, exposing the wannabe leader to their actual self, or at least that's how I mm. took your words. It's kind of a neat idea. I like it, buddy. Well, um, in a lot of times, um, you go on a leadership course or you go on a course itself. The amount of self-stress that you put on yourself um, has to be... It has to be shown to you because honestly, you come to Wayne, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a one-osser, but I'm, I'm, I'm there to facilitate your knowledge and learning. I'm not there to turn around and be the, you know. A taskmaster. Yeah, I'm not there to be a taskmaster. That's why I have sergeants. That's why I have master corporals on my staff to turn around and make sure that if it has to get as far as me, Something has seriously went Something wrong went with wrong. my, my cadre, yeah. Yeah. right? And it's up to me to turn around and sort it out. Mm. But the overrunning of and, and trust that I have for my staff on the floor, I know that what they're doing is the concept that I always did with most of my courses when I was in Wainwright. It's like they take their stress. We will take the military knowledge and that stress and add it. We don't need to add outside influence into the equation because really, when you get to a certain level of stress, they shut down. So we'll bring them right up to that wall. And then we'll back off a little bit and then we'll add a little bit more. And then we'll back it off. And we'll add a little bit more. Oh, gee, I just got my shipment of CS gas. Good. Somebody needs a defensive position right now and I need to toss some smoke around. You know, all these little things, it's all military, but they you don't really get to do it as much anymore in a junior leadership course because they've never been really, half of them haven't even ex been exposed to it when they went through basic mm. or battle and school. It's funny. I was just thinking like I did my battle school, my basic training, six months uh, full tilt in Wainwright. So my day zero started in Wainwright with long <laughs> hair. And so like we got the boots put to study. <sighs> I mean, hard. And uh, in, in respect to that level of stress, that line, that didn't exist. We blew past that line on day zero. And, <laughs> and, and no one ever slowed down and looked behind because the, the instructors, it was ferocious uh, what yeah. was going on at the time in the 80s. And so it's a different army now. It's a different process now. Yes. It's probably producing, I, I want to say, in some ways, better soldiers and in some ways, maybe not better soldiers. But yes. it's definitely a step in the right direction with good instructors creating good leadership. But I don't think there's any perfect model or any perfect approach. What do you no. think? No, you don't think there's, you, what, what would be a perfect approach? Oh, <laughs> what do you think? I, I think it was a combination because um, we have to take a couple of things in context there. Back in the 80s, like you were saying, I, I went through battle school too. I was in, went through there in the late 80s. I'm not as old as you. Uh, Good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> but um, back then, capital punishment was still in, in line, mm -hmm. right? Human rights. What, what the hell exist. is that? Do you mean corporal punishment? Corporal? Yeah, okay. Perhaps. We can we can put a rank on it. Yeah, we'll we'll turn around and pull a corporal. Well, no, because like capital punishment is when you're just getting shot in the head. Like you're done. Bang, you're off course. You're they dead. were just poor shots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But okay, we'll go with like corporal. Physical punishment. That's what you're talking about. Uh, sometimes you used to get rough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sergeant punishment then. Let's give them a little, promote them a little bit. Don't make it warrant yeah. officer punishment. Yeah. Warrant officer punishment. I had to go yeah. warners on my course. So, um, yes, we have evolved in a lot of cases, but I do believe there's certain degrees that should have stayed in place. Mm -hmm. um, certain physical standards 
All right. Uh, not buckling a knee. Because honestly, um, this is a very physically demanding and mentally demanding job, no it matter is, buddy. where I'm, you're in the army. Yeah, for sure. As a whole. I don't know why people. Doesn't matter what that. trade. <laughs> trade? You know what? I, I really like the concept of, um, you know, every Marine's a rifleman. I, I like yes. the concept of it, right? But I obviously, I know not every. I mean, technically, everyone's a rifleman. And even in the CF, we like to say that, that you know, everyone's a rifleman because uh, everyone goes to the same basic, but that's not And true. even some riflemen ain't great riflemen. 100%, so forget yeah. about the rest of the army. Exactly. So there's, well, yeah. uh, there, there's mean, a mentality that I think we need to put back into it, but that's... I believe so. That's a, that's a whole nother higher up issue that I think... We, well, we're not qualified. We're we're not, <laughs> not solving qualified. that one today. <laughs> not today. Not with ten minutes left. We've already established right uh, at the start of this. None of us are qualified. qualified. You told me I was not allowed to swear on this. <laughs> That's <one>. right. Please <laughs> don't. So uh, we do. We just four. And this is a topic here. that would cause us to swear. Yes, yes. it would. We would all. Be, would. We'd be swearing pretty fast. Um, we do have some other comments here. Tanya, uh, sorry, Mitch says tanya for sure like the idea of segmenting the obstacle master small parts of it and i think this is a very important point because this is how you do anything and for me when i was walking through a minefield i wasn't thinking about the 50 meters to the safe zone i wasn't thinking about 10 meters in front of me i wasn't thinking about the next step i was thinking about where the the grains of sand was where i was going to put my heel though like i was yeah the super the smallest points you can think of and i was using all my skills in order to manage it but i think that's a very a good point of it is that if you are hitting a wall as the previous example break it in smaller pieces so you're not looking at a wall you're looking at bricks and if the bricks are too much break that down into the, like the mortar and the pieces the the contrary point to that is paralysis by analysis mm. all i'm seeing is when you said hit the wall i'm thinking like how many obstacle co courses have you done sean you've done a lot sean in fact Couple. the first obstacle course you did sean was one where someone said go no instructions no nothing no no figuring out how to go over the wall it was get over the wall yeah and so that comes down to that prioritization and that conviction of you can stand on the start line looking at an elephant, thinking about how many little bites you're going to take of it. Meanwhile, the elephant has walked off to the herd and the herd has moved off to Africa as you're still paralysis <laughs> by analysis trying to figure out how to eat the elephant. It's going to take 2,757 bites. It's going to take a long time, buddy. <laughs> and so the idea being that you can segment the obstacle on the start line even, but you got to cross the start line. Yes. And for me, it was a case of go. And at the end of the obstacle course, I thought, wow. And that's many obstacle <laughs> courses later. That's how I've dealt with every obstacle course is I've stood on the start line. Someone has said go, and I've gone and smashed it. Maybe not strategically or tactically or wise or whatever, but I'm one of the first guys across the finish line. And that's not with a whole pile of talent. That's just conviction. If I get halfway up the wall and I fall off the wall, land on my back and I see stars, I'm still going to beat someone across the finish line. Probably the guy who was at the top of the wall looking down at me, snickering as I looked up at him as I've just fallen down on my back. Dude, I'm going to come and get you for snickering. And so conviction, prioritization, it's a matter of you got to want it bad in order to eat the entire elephant. I just, I had the greatest idea for a merch shirt for the collective. <laughs> it's going to be a picture of Sean in front of a obstacle course with the words go. And on the back of the shirt, it's going to be a picture of Sean. And it's going to say, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. But it is, it's, it's how you approach life. It's not, 100%. I'm not saying my approach is the right approach. I'm not saying any approach is the right approach. Everyone out there has got to figure out their approach. Mm-hmm. And my approach is different. I look, I look at a problem and I just figure out I'll get to the finish line. And more often than not, I don't know how. But conviction, not talent, effort, not luck, work has always got me to the finish line. I love that. I, 
I'm gonna make a. Sh I'm, I'm gonna make that shirt. Just so you know, <laughs> I am gonna make that shirt because I think that'll be our bestseller. Um, we do have a couple more points here. Just uh, and then a question quickly before we run out of time here. Uh, where were we? That was where we were. This is where we're at. Mitch agreed. Segmenting, reframing, so it matches my priorities and or looking for leadership upskilling. Um, disregard previous message. <laughs> I had difficulty with a photo shoot one day, realized I needed to detach and focus on the basics. And I righted that ship. I actually, yeah, that's a good point. That's good. Um, Mitch says, I think I have a pretty open mind to learning new stuff with instructions as needed, just not into being abused. Late middle age provides a different way of looking at things. That's very true. Also, nobody likes being mm, abused. Is it though? Because I believe we're the same age. I believe <laughs> that Mitch is my age, and I, I believe that I I've never said a sentence like that. That's because I see it as closed-minded. Mm. And I'm not saying that Mitch is the devil, and I'm not saying that he is closed-minded. I'm just saying that that sentence, as I read it, and please tell me if I'm wrong. No, it reads as closed-minded. I I would agree. But uh, and you're right to to point out it's not that we're calling out Mitch. It's no, just not that, at that all. statement, that little yeah. correct. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, I mean, when when people get hurt really bad, um, either emotionally or mentally, abusively, or anything like that, um, they're almost like twice one twice burnt, one shy. You yeah, know, buddy. They, they kind of got mm -hmm. that aspect that. It's it's really hard for them to dip that toe back into the water to turn around and take another stab at it. But I mean, it's just an obstacle. That's right, buddy. That's the thing. Yep. It's just an obstacle, man. Chew on it. Like like you said, man. Chew on it. Um, uh, break it down. You know, you have to do it for yourself. And if you don't like it, well, who cares? That's I, right. I, move I, on. That's I, right. Slide it, move on. Yeah. Right. It, it's you have to turn around and set those little minor goals in your life or you're not going to have any goals to set. Uh, and it, it 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 does it does wear you down after a while, because like everything else, it's accumulative mm -hmm. and try to have to, to get yourself back into that positive mindset. You know, just being happy. Right. No matter what. I mean, people it's, looking it's at tricky you, you though, big, right? You got a big smile on your face and people think you have a secret. <laughs> right. I don't have a secret. I'm just happy. Right. Uh, well, I'm trying to be. Exactly. <laughs> do what you can. Um, we do have one question from Tanya, but I think it's it'll take longer than two minutes. So well, let's see it and then we can bank it. Okay. Tanya says, how do you build a mindset of mentees to detach from past failures, yet use their past successes last training as evidence of their competence? If you do. Yeah, that's, so I think a, that's a long the, combo. That's a big one, right? And yeah. then... Uh, it's a good one, though. That's a great question. I'm going to save it for the bank and we'll, yeah, we'll use it cool. for sure. Um, Tanya then says, my mantra, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it harder than everyone else. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I like it. Why not? It's not allowed for to me. Tell you. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, maybe that'll be a shirt. Ooh, that's a good one too. <laughs> I'm, I'm in full merch mode, man. You are. Let's watch out. Um, so before we shut her down, any final thoughts on, um, letting go or anything else we talked about so far, Gerard? Um, no, I, I, the biggest thing is to keep trying regardless of anything. Oh, you always got to keep trying. Um, eventually it will become knowledge to you or a skill to you or a basis of something to learn from, I think. Um, and even if you, like I said, if, even if you don't like it, I mean, you could still, you have that sitting in the back of your mind as collective knowledge. It's almost like when you go through the military, there's some courses that we've taken and it's like, when in, when in the world have I ever going to use this course? But you draw from the knowledge because one, you actually got on a course, which is like not easy from time to time going through your military career. It's, it's few and far between when you get some good, good courses. Um, but even then, sometimes the courses are not always the best that you, you wanted but you still draw knowledge and experience from everything you do. And you have to take that and use it in your daily life. Yeah. 
Couldn't agree. I more. agree. And that's that's how you become a, a really well-rounded person. And what I was thinking of as you were talking about those various points, pal, is not I'm not trying to point the finger at Mitch. I'm just going to talk about open-mindedness. The more open-minded you can be be in and on a bunch of subjects, I don't want to become a world champion in that in macrame. But if I'm sitting down next to someone and they're doing macrame and they want to teach me macrame, I'm going to learn freaking macrame in those three minutes or five minutes or whatever. If I'm sitting on a bus stop next to someone that I don't know and they're doing something funky with chopsticks and they want to teach me how to catch flies in midair with chopsticks, I'm down for it, man. Teach me things. I, I, The more I know, the more I can engage with the next person. If I get taught chopsticks at a bus stop tomorrow, I'll be able to teach someone how to do something cool with chopsticks. And that's how you engage with the people around you on the planet is by understanding a lot of things and being able to tap into their interests and be able to at least have a, a commonality in the moment rather than, I don't know anything about macrame. Um, I, it's always better to say, Oh, I tried macrame once. Can you show me that little, that little hook? That's the hook. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. <clears throat> I was uh, I was just thinking about this as as you were talking was the fact that you know we kind of talked about being a mentor and helping others and trying to pass on knowledge and allow people to help people get through obstacles and all these things. But I think the key point on that is the fact that we got to be our own mentor. We got to be our own yeah. coach. We yeah, got like, like it starts it with us. Starts mm -hmm. here and then goes outward. It's not always. We talked about this, the proxy of external. Um, That's right. The excuse of external proxy, right? You don't want to get caught up in that. So mentor yourself to be better every day. And you can build and learn and grow. You can do that with us here on The Collective. See you all tomorrow. GMO. GMO.